guys, I understand it. Rectangle of mediocrity. Wow, Craig, that was some outstanding stuff. How does it tie in? You sound like a real nerd. I'm grooving. Now I'm going off on a rant. Our guests are the meat to our stale bread. It is another edition of the Channel Partners podcast, Coffee with Craig and Kevin. I am the executive editor of Channel Partners and Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me is the man who never misses a 4th of July barbecue and usually goes to three or four of them, our director of business development, Mr. Kevin Morris. Kevin, how are you? <laughs> Craig, you most certainly know me well, my podcast friend. I unfortunately didn't get too many invitations this year, maybe because I eat so much, but probably more so due to the pandemic. But don't worry, as we'll learn about later, I definitely found a way to celebrate it here at home. And speaking of celebrating, Craig, uh, did you do anything exciting? Well, you know, we didn't go out anywhere, as you might expect, but we did get in a cool hike up in the National Forest, not too far from our house, descended down the rocks and got into where it was really cool, stone on either side. And that was very early in the morning, because as I frequently complain about on this podcast, it's 110 every day here. (laughs) And uh, once we got to the end of the trail, there was this cool little waterfall that I would have expected would have been all dried up because we haven't had any rain here in, you know, better part of two or three months. But uh, it was a waterfall. It was uh, it was awesome. Craig, that sounds like a fantastic time. A lot more exercise than I probably did. My steps that I gained, uh, according to my Fitbit, were done in the kitchen huh. as uh, and out on the deck at the grill. So for the Morris 4th, we embarked naturally on a culinary journey of family favorites with a couple common staples from the 4th holiday. Let's start on Friday evening. A lot of us had the day off. I did a pulled barbecue chicken Mm. uh, with biscuits and, of course, mashed taters. I did that pulled barbecue chicken in the crock pot, actually. Weird to break out the crock pot in summer, but uh, it was delicious. Saturday, we did the homemade, of course, as, as my kiddos call it, Kevin's Burgers from scratch, which is just basically taking the ground beef and making it into a patty with some seasoning. But, you know, they think it's like really hard. So I continue that uh, fictional story and uh, some hot dogs. And then uh, Sunday, I did my baked chicken wings, which if you're interested, Craig, after this podcast, I'll give you the recipe on how to get them nice and crispy, just like the restaurant. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. I was going to ask you, you mentioned hot dogs. Was that you I saw in the line at the Nathan's hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July? <laughs> it was. It was. It was me saying, why the heck did Mr. Chestnut eat all my hot dogs? <laughs> like, now now hot dog prices are up because I think he had 75 of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you could win the contest if you entered. But, uh, you know, <laughs> for some reason, you've got other things to do on the 4th. I, I do. I'd win, but I wouldn't leave standing. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> uh, you know, buddy, every time I talk to you, I, I swear I leave the conversation hungry. Anyway, uh, I'm just going to segue here and ask you, uh, what the heck is the deal with this opening song? You know, uh, when you told your ridiculously long story about what you did for the fourth, uh, I was thinking we'd never get to this. So I'm glad you asked, Craig. And my story was long, really. <laughs> <laughs> I know mine had three parts. My bad. Uh <laughs> It's probably because we have, wait for it, breaking news on this podcast, Craig. Whoa, 
Really? That's awesome. That's right, everybody. Coffee with Craig and Kevin are always getting all the best channel leads and stories. And we're at it again today with news that will blow the headphones right out of your ears. Turn up the volume. Get rid of the background noise because here it comes. Due to the unfortunate circumstances surrounding the global COVID-19 pandemic, Channel Partners Conference and Expo has been further postponed, unfortunately, to March 2nd through the 5th, 2021. And yes, we will remain at the Venetian. You know, that is far from breaking news. Uh, We've been talking about it for over a week. I can't really see how this could have anything to do with your weird song choice. Oh, we announced that already? Okay, Craig, here's some real breaking news. And the song will tie in for sure now. Channel Partners and Channel Futures are announcing their first ever virtual event. CP Virtual Baby, running September 8th to the 10th. That's right, Craig. Wait for it. Virtual is where we live. (sighs) Kevin, we also announced the virtual event to the masses about two weeks ago now. Have you been living in a cave again? I don't know. Probably. (laughs) Well, despite your incompetence regarding the delivery, it is important to note that we are indeed going virtual in September as well as with our second annual Channel Evolution Europe event. That was originally scheduled for December 1st and 2nd in London. That one's going to be virtual as well. Once again, my bad, Craig. I really appreciate you clearing all that up. The Channel Partners and Channel Futures teams are bummed that we won't be seeing over 10,000 of our favorite people between all three of our live channel events this year. But we are extremely excited for the opportunities that our virtual platform has to offer. We're going to get through this year, buddy. We really are. And we we hope this podcast is is keeping everybody going. I don't know about this one. (laughs) (laughs) Or any of them, for that matter. (laughs) You did, however, my friend, get something right on this podcast. We are excited for this event, as virtual is definitely the right venue for right now. We'll dive into an overview of what to expect from the virtual event in just a bit. But first, why don't we get to a channel leader that has recently been a part of some actual breaking news. Let's do it. Really happy to welcome into the coffee house our first guest. He is Robert Cooper, Managing Director with Wildex. Robert, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Hey, glad to have you on the podcast. Uh, You know, you guys managed to have one of the few industry events of the year before we all kind of shut it down due to coronavirus. Uh, You didn't really hold back when you got on stage. You fired off a number of shots at your larger competitors. In fact, some of the names were Vampire Vendors, The Walking Dead. Eager to hear a little more about that. Uh, What made you say those things? And and I guess, are you going to double down here on the podcast? (laughs) Well, we have been talking to our partners and potential partners for the last three years about these particular legacy vendors that have been in the marketplace and and even some of the newer ones that are coming into the marketplace. But we've been speaking about them and what their impact has been on the channel and on the VAR. As it pertains to the vampires, we added a new player to the mix this year, which is the vampire vendors. Um, We speak of them as being global brands. Um, We know that legacy vendors have some global branding as well, but many of these new vampire vendors are coming on the scene and these are hosted providers and they are selling their platform and their focus is to sell the platform by any means necessary. And that means they will sell direct 
They will sell through agents. They will sell through distribution. They will sell through VARs. They will sell through anyone that will sell the platform. And for traditional VARs, this has been a problem. And you know, Robert, using The Walking Dead as a name for some of those vendors, I always call Craig Fleabag, which is a popular show of today. Go <laughs> <laughs> uh, cancel his Amazon subscription, Robert. That's all uh, I can say. Um, we use the term to really drive home the message to the VARs, the impact that these vendors are having to their business. And uh, when we speak about The Walking Dead, obviously we're talking about the legacy vendors that have been in the marketplace that continue to sell on-premise based solutions. Uh, They haven't uh, upgraded their technology. Many of them have tried over the years and have failed to move more to a cloud-based type solution or a software-based type solution. And it's a matter of time. They are The Walking Dead because we've known that that technology would eventually go away uh, and that it would no longer be relevant in the marketplace. And as I was mentioning uh, previously, that's become much more prevalent today, as we've seen with the recent events, that legacy architecture has been a burden to a lot of companies trying to move more towards a smart work environment. And Robert, you know, it is worth noting that, you know, those comments uh, that we we told the story on Channel Partners Online, it was definitely one of the most viewed stories of the year so far. So congratulations there. And Craig is going to make me play devil's advocate here. This isn't on me, Robert. So uh, <laughs> that's quite all right. Okay, so some might say that there are advantages to going with the bigger, better-known brands, and I know you alluded to this a little bit, but what does WildX have that could give you the advantage over some of these larger brands that could take a prospect for a partner from almost there to closed? So what we're really speaking about fundamentally, I mean, technology and architecture obviously come into play here. When we're talking about the legacy architecture, we're talking about uh, moving people from on-premise based uh, proprietary systems to a more cloud-based SIP and IP environment. And we've seen right now today how much more flexible and agile the companies around the UCAS space have been, as opposed to those who have had these this legacy architecture. As it pertains to Wildix in, in uh, particular, we use WebRTC as the underlying technology for the delivery um, of our technology or our solution, our platform to the customer. That means there are no installs, no desktop to manage. We use the browser as a UI, and we're able to incorporate a bunch of other feature functionality directly into that web-based UI that others can't. That gives us much more flexibility, much more speed to market, time to market. It's easier to manage. By the way, WebRTC inherently is much more secure. Robert, let's talk a little bit about uh, what WildX has done, maybe for partners and customers in response to what everyone has been dealing with the last three months. Uh, Those are the business struggles created by the COVID-19 pandemic. The good news is, is COVID-19 has shed some light on why Wildex has chosen its go-to-market strategy, which is we only sell through the VAR or the MSP or systems integrator. We do not sell through distribution. We do not sell direct. We have a 100% VAR go-to-market model. And COVID has shed light on why this market model has been so important. You know, the VARs have done a tremendous job of stepping up and proving that they are an essential part. They are essential workers in this mix and no more. It's been become much more prevalent today why you need a local presence 
come in and help and support you, you need help desk. You don't want to call an 800 number and try and get your communication systems back up online because you've been forced to be at home. And so they've done a yeoman's job in terms of, of stepping in. And we've always believed, Wildix has always believed that the channel is the VAR is part of the solution that's delivered to the customer. They're not reselling Wildix. They are a part of the solution. So we treat them differently. In terms of what we've done to help them during this pandemic, and we know it's been difficult. A lot of them have been pouring out services that they aren't necessarily even being paid for. They're just jumping in and helping where they can. Wildix had allowed uh, them to spin up free licenses and uh, be able to re react quickly and help businesses in their community. So we've turned up thousands of licenses um, in a short period of time. We spun those up uh, for free for six months to allow them to help these businesses get back on their feet and give them an ability to be able to work from wherever they are and have a smart working solution. That promotion ran for a short period of time and we had as I said, tens of thousands of users that, uh, that signed up on that. And now, as it appears that we're coming into another wave of this, I am looking at what we need to do further to continue helping the partners um, help the businesses in their community. And we're going to, to look at launching something new to help them continue down this path. So, Robert, please allow me to say uh, bravo and uh, well done on uh, helping your partners and helping them help their customers. Um, I, I think a lot of people say we're all in this together, and until you actually show that you're a part of that, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. But clearly, WildX is definitely a part of that and, and helping. And, and congratulations on being a 100% channel. Of course, we're big fans of that on this podcast. So, you know, very well said. Um, let's talk now about some trends in unified communications. Is it all still about working from home or, you know, maybe there are some other things we should be watching for? We've seen two years worth of digital transformation take place in several months. So it's been an escalating piece for digital transformation over the last several months. It's really just escalated and it's across all industries. And you're hearing every day companies that are saying we're not going to go back. We've always believed that smart working was the future of work. Wildix as a platform was built for, for the future of work. So we've always believed in that model. And we're seeing now where businesses are now seeing higher productivity, much more efficiency, response times to customers are better, obviously better work-life balance with, with employees. So there's benefits all the way around. I don't think we're ever going to put the genie back in the bottle in terms of going back full-time to the office. I think uh, there will be a trend that some will, will shift back. But by and large, I think um, people are going to look at this and say that there are tremendous benefits. I also believe that this expands beyond just that component. Now businesses will be able to look and say, I really don't need to hire someone right here in this city with smart working. Now I can expand my talent pool and, and hire talent wherever it may reside because I can provide smart work environment for them from wherever they are. So I think that's fundamentally going to change how businesses look even at hiring going forward. In terms of the UC industry, in terms of what we're going to see, I still believe that you're going to see much more of a collapse at the desktop in terms of applications. We still have a lot, and there are still a lot of disparate applications running on the desktop. 
and it does make it confusing for a lot of people. And so I think you're going to see continued collapse, continued integration with companies to define their strategy to become much more inclusive and integrated, offer a true unified type solution at the desktop. As I said, Wildex has been at the forefront of this uh, from the beginning. So our platform was built to be an all-inclusive platform right from the beginning. Certainly a changing world, Robert, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, as we touched on, changing things, uh, but not all for the worse. Uh, obviously, some more opportunities out there for you and your partners. I want to thank you so much for joining us today and uh, wish you and Wildex a great rest of the year. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I look forward to work, continue working with you guys. I know this is a changing environment and uh, these podcasts are, are valuable to the uh, partner community. So thank you. Thank you, Robert. Craig, great stuff from Robert there. Wildex is definitely a vendor for partners to keep their eye on. For sure, Kevin. Always nice, too, as well, uh, to hear somebody mix it up a little bit with the competition. Some good stuff. That's right, Craig. I'm just glad somebody wasn't mixing it up with me for a change. Yeah, I know. We don't want to have anybody coming on talking about other podcasts or, uh, you know, we'll be relegated to something beneath the rectangle of mediocrity, for sure. I was referring to Digi, Craig. Oh. Anyway, Kevin, as we alluded to in the opening, our audience should also keep their eyes on the first ever CP virtual event. Once again, and it's a rarity, Craig, you're spot on. While we <laughs> won't be seeing everyone in person, CP virtual is going to deliver the quality networking, content, providers, partners, speakers, and the all-around good time you've come to expect from channel partners, just in a different format designed specifically for this moment in time. All right, Kevin, let's talk about some of the highlights here. How's that sound? That sounds like a plan, buddy. First of all, if you registered and paid for a ticket to the live event, your registration will automatically transfer over to the virtual event. So that's pretty cool, buddy. I like that. That means I'm in. <laughs> yes. Now, by virtue of time zone challenges and best practices for our virtual events, some of our sessions, by and large, will be shorter. Now, you might be thinking, okay, this is a virtual event. It's not live. How much can they do? Well, let me tell you, it's quite a bit. We've got roughly 35 sessions lined up. This is a combination of keynotes, educational sessions that would mirror the conference tracks we would normally have at a live event, and those sessions you would expect to see on our theater stage in the expo hall. Now, naturally, we might have 100 sessions over the course of a live event, and we can't do them all. But if we get in 35, that's a pretty good number, don't you think? Solid number, Craig, quite solid. And of course, we'll be supplementing all of that virtual content with, wait for it, more virtual content. Yes, in fact, Craig. Yes. In, in fact, it's some stuff we've already discussed on this podcast, including our channel educational series, which you can access via channelfutures.com. These are educational breakouts that are available on demand year round. We've also got our upcoming 360 roundtables. That's where industry leaders speak about the state of, of a particular technology or business topic. And uh, then we've got Channel Partners Evolution half-day workshops focused on walking attendees through how to address technology or business challenges. Some of this stuff live on the site already, some of it coming uh, in conjunction with our virtual event. And last but not least, and we'll do a much deeper dive on some of these specific topics coming up uh, over the course of the next few weeks here on the podcast, but since networking is so important to the channel, we've built in as much virtual networking as we can in this show. So raise a glass over our platform 
more details to come. Uh, it's going to be a good old time, buddy. It most certainly is, Craig. Uh, wow. You and the editorial content education teams just really been crushing it. And I can't wait to see this content come to life in a new a virtual format. Yeah, big props, of course, to Chris Blackman, Jessica Ackerman. They're leading the way on this on our team. And uh, it's going to be an exciting event. Uh, our first ever, I expect it's going to be uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Chris and Jess are definitely always on it. I mean, they got to put up with you as well. So th- thank goodness for them. They do. How they even get through that uh, to concentrate on the show, I don't know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Craig, if I may, can I expand on the networking a little bit here? Oh, please do. You are like our resident networking expert. (laughs) Well, gee, thanks, Craig. Although done differently to reflect the new normal, the networking, as Craig alluded to, will certainly be in abundance over the course of those four days. First, let's start with the exhibitors and sponsors. They're going to have virtual booths there. They're going to outline all their products and services. They're going to have content for you to download. They're going to be available for live chats. They're going to have meeting time set up that you could just click on. You can set up a video meeting. There's going to be virtual meeting rooms, Craig, where you can meet with up to 30 people at once. There's going to be boardroom style where it looks like you're all sitting at either a boardroom table or or a round table. Who knows? It's going to be exciting. But in addition to that, one of the things I really want to talk about is while our team, as you just alluded to, Craig, is so great at producing a live conference, this will be our first time with a virtual conference. So, of course, we aligned ourselves with a virtual conference platform expert. So we're bringing all the expertise from us, running a live event with great content and all the channel content you come to expect. We are going to be providing AI matchmaking which is something you don't get at the live event. So, for example, if you're an exhibitor, you you load up your profile, you put everything you do in there, the types of partners you're looking to meet, the types of partners you're working with, your content. It's going to go ahead and recommend the top partner companies that are attending for you. And get this, Craig, as Bell Biv DeVoe once said, they're going to slap it up, flip it. And if you're a partner attendee and you're looking to find new vendors, it's going to do the same thing for you. So once you load up your profile and the types of technology you're looking for, it's going to go ahead and recommend the top boosts that you should visit. So that's something you don't really get out of a live event. You have to go talk to everyone, which is part of the fun, of course. But here it's going to fine tune it a little so you can get to the people that you're there and looking for a little bit faster. That is awesome, Kevin. You talked about all the experts coming together. I mean, what could go wrong? Two words, Kevin Morris. (laughs) It usually does, Craig. (laughs) Will Digi have his own virtual booth? Digi, our digital services robot mascot. Uh, No. (laughs) He'll have to settle for taking your spot on the marquee of this podcast at some point. I mean, if you keep it up, I might just give it to him willingly. (laughs) It is undoubtedly going to be amazing, Kevin. The best thing that ever happened to virtual. Uh, Gee, Kevin, I wonder if they'll let us be the virtual guides for the event. You know, show people where to click, help them find what they're looking for. You know, our heads could pop up on screen. That'd be cool. You had me at virtual guides, Craig. Until you mentioned our giant melons coming up on screen. No one wants to see that. And there'd be no room for anything else to be seen between our two giant melons. Uh, You mean like that scene in Jurassic Park? Exactly, buddy. And that'd be hideous. Hey, that was a lot of fun teeing up the virtual event. What do you say we bring in our next guest where we had a lot of fun, again, talking about something very real and especially important and top of mind today? As you often, sounding like a moron, say... Let's do it. 
All right, Kevin, time to welcome in our next guest. He is Brandon Knight, Vice President of Contact Center Practice at Tolaris. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, excited to have you. Uh, we talk about your role there at Tolaris. However, a big reason you're here today is in your capacity as Executive Director of the Exposure, Inclusion and Diversity Council. Obviously, hugely timely to be talking about this topic. I am definitely excited to learn more about your group. Uh, maybe you can give us a little bit of a background on how it started and uh, what some of your goals are. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And like you said, it, it is timely, right? You can't go anywhere now. And I was just thinking yesterday about how we thought COVID-19 was going to be the biggest story of 2020. But the, uh, the actually the Exposure Inclusion and Diversity Council was was started by a, a woman I affectionately refer to as my, my little sister, Kelly uh, McMillan. She's a channel manager uh, over at Five9. And uh, a couple of years back, she got a couple of us together and told us about her envision to, to bring diversity to the channel and, and attack it in a couple of different ways from mentoring to partner, just, just basically having a business resource group. And we bought into it right away. She made uh, four of us, my, myself and, and Jamal, and uh, who's at 8x8, and Reggie Scales, who's at Vonage, made us all board members to help her carry out her plan. And that's, that's really where we are. We hope to use education, mentoring, marketing, awareness, uh, and some practical skill sets to increase diversity in, in the channel. So, Brandon, I think I speak for a lot of us here at Channel Partners and the channel in general in saying bravo and, and applaud you for the work that you and the team at the Exposure, Inclusion, and Diversity Council are doing. And that being said, you know, what would you say is the current status of inclusion and diversity in the channel in particular? A cursory look around, and it's pretty obvious the channel needs more people of color and the diversity of ideas that comes with that. Absolutely. I don't think anyone would argue that, you know, and, and, and in full fairness, Everyone um, that we, we talk to, including members that we talked to early on at Informer, because I think the thing that I failed to mention in the beginning is that that first meeting that Kelly had with us actually happened at a lunch meeting at Channel Partners. Oh, wow. Uh, that was obviously Channel Partners is the thing that all of us attend every year. So it was an easy way for her to get us all together. But, but yeah, this, this actually launched at Channel Partners. And I would tell you that from explaining it to people then to, you know, a year and a half, almost two years later, there's been no, no opposition. Everyone agrees that we need more channel. We need more people of color. And, and as you said, the experience and the ideas that come with that, it's just not, I think what we're noticing um, in our interaction is that there's no, there's no magic bullet, right? There's no quick way to, to, to do it. We've been helped in, in a very, it's kind of a sad thing, obviously, that's happened with what's going on in our country now with racial injustice, and it's, and it's sad, but that has really been an impetus for more people to reach out to us and say, what can we do? How can we address this? We're clearly in it together. You know, I hate to be corny, but obviously, love conquers all. We, we're, we're definitely stronger together. We're definitely stronger when we're more diverse. We're definitely stronger when, when we're inclusive of, of everyone, regardless of their race or color or, or, or sexual preference or, or any of those things. And, and that's really, that's really what we, that's our goal. Well, corny aside, Brandon, it certainly is true. Uh, that's for sure. Maybe you can offer some advice for organizations out there in technology and the channel uh, that they can take to promote inclusion and diversity, some first steps perhaps within their organizations? Absolutely. I think one of the things I would recommend, and, and, it, and it's kind of, kind of a, a proud moment for me because uh, Adam, my, my fearless leader at Tolaris, actually launched the idea with us. 
but I know um, Ian and the guys over at Avant are doing it. I'm sure others are doing it. I don't want anyone to feel like I'm leaving them out because I don't, I don't know them by name. But I know there are organizations that have started internal diversity and inclusion committees. And I believe that's, that's huge because you, you get uh, ownership from your own organization and you get to see what diversity exists in your own organization. But most importantly, you know, I look, I look at our group and just to be, to be plain, we put together a group where we, we cover from a 23-year-old to a post-65-year-old. We cover Caucasian, Black, Latino, even Sri Lankan, Korean. We, so we, we did well there. And we even have a few people that have alternative personal lifestyles included as well. And just in those conversations that we have as a, as a council, as we kind of plan out what we're going to do as an organization, you know, you find out that really just knowledge is key. Just an awareness of what another person is, is thinking or feeling and how maybe they've been, in most cases, negatively impacted, unfortunately, by their, by their life choices or, or, the, or the color of their skin. But in some cases, you know, we, we get to talk about, so, so what can we do now? And, and if I add one more thing to that, if organizations take this on, I think that's an important step. It's an important step to recognize where we are. You know, race relations in America, not in a good place right now. It's important to recognize that we haven't done a good job, but it's more important to, to take that and use that as fuel for what we're going to do now. I think the danger in some cases is wallowing in what we've done wrong or wallowing in the past. And we don't believe that's a good way forward. We think a good way forward is to talk about what we can do with what we have now that, now that we're awake. You know, you, you can't do anything while you're asleep, but when you wake up, you have the whole day ahead of you. And that's how we look at it. Some great advice there, Brandon, for sure. And I completely agree. It is really unfortunate that something as disturbing as all the videos we've seen had to happen to reopen these conversations and bring back to light the way everyone has been feeling in, in an underlying way for the most part. But I do agree, you know, empathy and, and gaining that knowledge is definitely the way through it. And that's what we need to focus on moving forward. And that being said, would you be able to share anything about any racism, stereotyping, or even unconscious bias, which is probably a lot more common than we think, that you yourself has faced throughout your career in technology? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, and I'm glad you brought that up, because right now the world is really looking at overt racism, right? It's, it's um, you know, things like the Klan and skinheads and those types of things like that. But in business and, and really in life, what we experience uh, for the most part isn't, isn't overt. It's unconscious bias. It's statements that we don't realize are based on stereotypes that, that aren't true. Um, I'll give you a couple of stories that I, um, you know, I can I can use now. And, the, and, and I'm going to keep these specific to work because obviously being a, a kid who grew up in the inner city but did have the opportunity to, to, to travel, I, I experienced, you know, full blown overt racism. But the things that happen kind of in the industry are interesting. I will tell you that I've been in this space for a while. Two things happened to me that I think will help bring this bring it home. One is I, I do consulting. Obviously, we, we talk to partners and, and, and customers about the technology they should be using. So I was on site at a customer site with a partner and the customer. And we were in the room and we we're talking about various technology and they were trying to explain what they wanted. And I was trying to explain to them how what they were talking about wasn't technology that was going to be useful. Long story short, we take a break and they're going to give me a tour on the tour. Just self-consciously, 
the director of the of the center that was giving us a tour stopped at the desk of one of his agents on the phone, African-American woman, and basically asked her to explain to me what he was trying to explain to me in the room. So he thought somehow by her being the same race that she was going to, we were going to use some type of coded language that was was going to help me understand, you know, what he was what he was saying. When in reality, it wasn't that I didn't understand. I didn't agree with him. It was completely different. And he he's not a person who would consider himself racist. But we passed, I want to say, 30 other agents before we got to this young lady. So certainly if he just wanted me to have an agent perspective, he had several choices. Wow. Um, wow. That's one thing. Another one, more ironic, was I was, uh, again, on site, but at a place where I, I worked. I was in uh, Milwaukee, but I was staying at a hotel because I, I, I worked remotely. And we had customers come in for a meeting, and they were staying in the same hotel. So I come down on the elevator, and I see them in the lobby. I recognize them by face because of LinkedIn. And I said, hey, you guys going over to ABC company? They said, yeah. I said, fine, I'll give you, I'll give you a ride. So I, ride, I rode them over there, put them in a the conference room, and I went in to see the CEO, who was a friend. And I come back in the room, and the CTO is red-faced, and there's silence in the room. I had only been on a few minutes, so I asked him. I said, what, what's going on? And he said, well, you're just in time to hear these guys tell me how grateful they are that I sent my driver to pick them up. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. So... so <laughs> It's, um, yeah, and I mean, that's that's three years ago. So yeah. we have, uh, you know, we, we have a ways to go. Oftentimes, you know, even, even in participating in meetings that I do, you know, people appreciate the experience that I have that I bring to the table. But I'd be lying to you if I told you that, you know, we do this journey so much over the phone, even before the pandemic, right? We did a lot of it over the phone. I do a lot of discovery, the initials, whiteboarding over the phone. And then when we get to the requirements documentation, that's when we go on site. And I can't tell you the number of times I walk into a boardroom, you know, to meet with C-level people after guiding them through this process for about a month, but they've never seen me. And when I walk in the room, that that look where they they glance away from me and look at the door because they're always waiting for someone else to come in the room to talk about. Over the phone, if I tell you that I, I set up the contact center experience for American Express and Travelers and Humana and Sprint, and I can tell you the things we did well, it makes perfect sense. When I walk in the room, it's kind of hard for people to relate me to that same guy sometimes. Those are important stories, I think, for our audience to hear, Brandon, especially talking about these interactions in the business world, uh, for sure. I wanted to get talking to you a little bit about your day job and that being a contact center in just a minute. But before we move on, maybe you can tell us how people can get involved with your group if they uh, wanted to. You guys have a LinkedIn page, is that right? Absolutely, we do. We have a LinkedIn page, so it's Exposure, Inclusion, and Diversity Council. Join there. That's really where we put all the information first. And we do have uh, several members, and we're right at the point. We just completed a survey of our members to find out their skill sets and, and their diversity, because now we're about to, we just announced our first kind of regional leader. And uh, now we're going to break the, the country up into about six or seven regions so people can get involved locally. Uh, you know, so it's great to be a part of the, the national thing, which is what we're doing. But we really make this go when you can get involved in your community, when you can be a, a voice for inclusion in your home, in your personal company, you know, that's in the channel. So that's that's really the next initiative. So we're, we're, we'd be excited for people to come and join and, and get connected locally as well. That's terrific. That's some outstanding growth to hear about. So contact center, uh, maybe you can share a little bit about how the pandemic has impacted contact center technology and how partners sell it. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is this is kind of funny because uh, I started telling people in early April, it, this is like the little kid who um, I've been playing in the sandbox for almost 30 years. And all of a sudden, my toys are popular. Every Everyone, huh. uh, as a result of the pandemic, everyone's trying to figure out how to work from home. Most people did it in a rush. So I'll throw out really quickly for, for partners who are listening to this. What we're finding is that your customers are in three different positions right now. It's either it's the company that rushed to do it to get people home. They took some shortcuts and, you know, they just needed to get it done. They thought this was going to be a couple week thing and end up being a couple of months. And now they really need to look at best practices because they didn't really do security network bandwidth correctly. So you can help them with that. The second group is the group that went home and they now have the ability to have essential people or some of the people return to work. We're finding a lot of companies that are that are now going through their transition, but some of them are trying to get better technology because they realized when they had to make the rush to home, they did not have business continuity technology. They didn't have disaster recovery technology. Now that they're going to go back into the office, they want to be sure they, they remedy that. And the third group, which we're finding really fascinating, is this group that did not have work at home agents or staff went home and realized the benefits of it. I was actually talking, I did a webinar on Friday. I was talking to a, a large customer who actually said, they're going to leave 35% of their staff at home. And they've never had a work at home experience before. Now they're looking at really setting these people up to be permanently at home. And I think the last report I saw said somewhere between 25 and 40% of current customers, current companies will have a long-term work at home strategy, ones that never considered it before. So outstanding opportunity. And that's really how it's, it's, it's being sold. It's being sold as a bandwidth, you know, UC work at home, or, you know, how do we really set up? I have customers, customers simply asking, now that I'm working from home and I want to keep it, how do I make it a world-class work-at-home environment? We know how to do it when we, when we control the culture in brick and mortar, but how do we do that when we have literally thousands of people in their own corporate environment? So it, it's an exciting time. Wow, Brandon, I just have to say, you know, thank you so much for joining us here. Um, your passion for both diversity and inclusion as well as for Contact Center um, are definitely evident on this podcast. And, you know, really appreciate you taking the time to share some personal stories as well to really help all of us understand and, and gain that knowledge uh, to help make this world a better place overall moving forward. I agree. Thank you so much. This has this been great talking to you guys. And like I said, we started at a, at a Channel Partners event. I know some, some things that have to go uh, virtual because of what we're dealing with. But um, I'd be remiss if I didn't, I didn't just say I, I really, really appreciate you guys. Ed has, has been a tremendous support for us um, all along the way. And um, I, I think you guys are the right ones to, to lead the thought leadership around inclusion and diversity. So thanks for, for picking this up. And, and I look forward to what comes next. That's awesome, Brandon. Thanks for the kind words. And we'll uh, catch you on down the road. Awesome. Have a good one. Thanks, Brandon. Absolutely phenomenal conversation with Brandon there, Kevin. In fact, uh, we are talking about the channel partners and exposure organizations getting together and working on some future projects that maybe we can do together. Craig, that is an awesome idea. I can't wait to see what comes out of those discussions. Wrapping it up here, Craig, I got to say a lot of excellent information on this one. I think we even provided some insight this time. For sure, Kevin. Our insight, however, only came when we were talking about things that only our company knows about. So not exactly thought leadership there. Hmm. What's that you just queued up in the background there, Mr. MC? Is that 80s music? 
Indeed it is, Craig. After that goofy virtual song I had to do because we went virtual and I thought it was breaking news at the time, uh, I had to come up with another theme that referenced episode 80. And then I figured, since I love 80s music, why not have a theme that represents 80 through 89? So, of course, my nickname for the virtual event is Funky Town. So here's 1980s number one hit, Funky Town. And no doubt, we'll focus on the 80s throughout episodes 81 through 89, in part because it's kind of cool to do the retro thing, and you and I grew up in the 80s, but also because we're lazy and we've already got an idea for the next nine podcasts. (laughs) You nailed it, Greg. If you'd like to check out the archive of Copy with Craig and Kevin, episodes 1 through 79 or 80 now, go to SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, type Channel Partners Online in the search bar. Of course, you can always find us where, Kevin? On the flagship channelpartnersonline.com. We appreciate your listenage, and thank you for joining us. Listenage? Wow. See you in cyberspace, channel. <laughs>